So, this is the good news for this morning. You will be brought before kings and governors. You'll have plenty of opportunity to testify. But watch out, you've got to be alive to testify. And that's in doubt. Nations going to rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be great earthquakes as big or bigger than the 1989. You'll be betrayed by your parents and by your brothers and sisters and by your friends. In fact, everybody will hate you. This is the good news for this morning. And I want to tell you that this is a kind of literature called apocalyptic. And I want to tell you what apocalyptic is not. It's the opposite of what we sing in the popular uh, song, uh, which I'm not going to sing this morning because I don't have the right accent. Don't worry, be happy. Here's a little song I wrote. You might want to sing it note by note. Don't worry, be happy. In every life, we have some trouble. But when you worry, you make it double. Don't worry, be happy. And there is an awful lot of trouble in our gospel reading this morning. And I want to tell you what the antidote to that trouble is going to be. We do worry because we are threatened by the coming of the four horsemen of the apocalypse, which you'll find in the book of Revelation. The four horsemen are disease and war, famine and death. And our gospel this morning, which is parallel to the gospel, the apocalypse in other gospels, says the same sorts of things. We hear them in other years. I look forward to hearing what other people preach about on those Sundays. Uh, there will be signs of tribulation as great earthquakes and in various places famines and plagues and dreadful portents and great signs from heaven. So this is the bad news for this morning. And there's more to come. I don't need to remind you of our times and what we are living through in our day and age. In Northern California alone, in 2017, 245,000 acres were burnt in the Tubbs fire alone. 8,900 structures were destroyed and 44 people died. The following year, last year, uh, 150,000 acres were burnt in the campfire up at Paradise and 85 civilians died. This year, we've just been through the Kincaid fire, 77,000 acres burnt, 374 structures destroyed, but no fatalities. And these are only local fires in the rest of our state and in other parts of the world. There were fires that were equally or more devastating. One of the reasons why there have been so many fires around here is because we've had so much rain. Would you believe it? Uh, the rain caused the vegetation to grow, vegetation dried out during the long hot summer, and then it all burnt out. 
In 2017, the Russian river flooded three feet above flood stage and 500 homes were swept away. The El Nino of the winter of 1997-1998 flooded the whole of the Central Valley. I remember hearing of somebody who said that they had to go to Safeway and it was a 150-mile drive by the time they had gone all round the state to get there. We read almost daily, and we see pictures of polar bears, of sea turtles, of reefs that are at risk because of climate change. This past month, October 2019, was the hottest October worldwide on record. Monthly temperatures are rising about two degrees Fahrenheit, which is significant above average. Glaciers are going, going, gone, and sea levels are rising. Are you depressed yet? There is more. I looked online to see where the Rogers Fault was. It starts in one uh, cemetery and goes on to another cemetery. It starts uh, just down by the Calvary Catholic Cemetery at the end of Farmer's Lane, and then it runs up Farmer's Lane, it goes through Montgomery Village, and then it turns up to go up Franklin Road up to the rural cemetery there. Earthquakes, as we know, are an ever-present danger, but the good news is that we are at least a mile west of the Rogers Fault. We have any number of epidemics to be concerned about. AIDS, Ebola, mad cow, H1N1, Legionnaire's disease, West Nile disease, uh, SARS, quite apart from the everyday events like cholera, cancer, flu, and now measles among those who didn't get vaccinated. No longer are we scared of being the victims of terrorist attacks. Much more likely, we are at danger from a shooter who should never have had a gun or guns in the first place and who have attached to their guns bump stocks so they can do more damage. Just one example, on October the 1st, two years ago, a shooter in Vegas shot 1,100 rounds in 10 minutes, killing 58 concert goers and wounding many, many more. These are some of the catastrophes that we are facing in our own day and age. We can call them apocalyptic catastrophes now that you know what the word apocalyptic means. And there have been plenty of apocalyptic ages in times fast. And apocalyptic, apocalyptic literature was designed to meet the challenges of those days. We heard a little bit from Luke's version this morning, and there is more. The purpose of the literature was to bring some encouragement to the suffering during those times of persecution. Thus, the book of Daniel was written during the persecution of Antiochus Epiphanes, who lived in the second century BC, who was a a really nasty piece of work, 
and he was the governor of Syria. And the book of Revelation was written during the time of Domitian, towards the end of the first century, the Roman Empire, who took it in to get rid of Christians. The devastation was predicted in advance. You heard it all here. You were told what was going to happen beforehand. And the word apocalyptic means something that is revealed. Hidden things, terrible things, destructive things are now revealed so that you know them. So you are supposed to be hopeful if you know it's going to be terrible times. But the thing that you know is that the terrible times are not going to last forever. Something good is going to happen at the end. And notice in our Gospel reading today how it's all in the future tense. This is all stuff that Luke is warning his readers about in advance. Not one stone will be left upon another. There will be earthquakes, famines and plagues. They will arrest you and persecute you. And all of this is necessary, these hardships, first, but the end will come. The apocalypse is in the Gospels conclude with this hope. Then, after all of that, you will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to take place, stand up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. In testing times, we need to remember that we are not alone. We are not abandoned by God. He, watching over Israel, slumbers not nor sleeps. We belong to the communion of saints as we remembered on All Saints Day. And those saints not only included those who were persecuted in times past and martyred and are witnesses, but also ourselves within the community of this congregation. We belong in this place. Here we are known, we are loved, and we are prayed for. Here we hear the scriptures which we read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest in order that we may hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life. And here we hear the scriptures interpreted Sunday by Sunday so that they make sense to us. So it makes sense to support this congregation, this place, this people in whatever way we can, not only for what it provides for us, but also for what it provides for the most vulnerable and the less fortunate among ourselves. So as well as being Apocalyptic Sunday, and the good news is there's another Apocalyptic Day in two weeks' time, is it, on Advent Sunday, more of the same. But also, this is, within the calendar of saints, a particular saint's day. Does anyone know what saint's day it is? It's Saint Hugh. <laughs> saint Hugh, my, name, uh, my uh, feast day, uh, lived in the 12th century, and uh, he was a great guy, and you should know more about him. <coughs> After Becket, 
he was the most popular saint and the best known in the medieval world. Saint Hugh, or Hugh, was happily ensconced in a Carthusian monastery. Carthusians don't talk, so it was a nice silent world that he lived in. It was in Avalon, which is, I guess, I think somewhere uh, Burgundy, good wine, great food, French cooking, uh, nice climate. Uh, What's not to like about all of that? And then all of a sudden, he was sent to go to England to Witham in Somerset to build a monastery there. Remember, this is the reign of Henry II. In 1170, uh, Henry II had said, who will rid me of this troublesome priest? I guess a lot of bishops have said that, in, but they didn't come to the same sticky end. Four knights came to Canterbury, and there before the altar, as he celebrated the Eucharist, the knights burst in and martyred him and killed him. Uh, in his own cathedral church. And this was a very bad thing to do, and he had to do penance, and the penance consisted, among other things, of building new houses, new monasteries, and one of them, uh, Henry had not paid up, so the monastery hadn't gotten on very well, and uh, Hugh was sent from Avalon in France to this beastly country where the food was bad and there was no wine and the climate was awful, and he was sent there to go and to build this uh, monastery. The first thing he did was sent a letter uh, to Henry II and said, pay up or you'll go to hell. (laughs) And I guess that Henry paid up because the monastery got built and uh, Henry uh, discovered that this fellow Hugh was a force to be reckoned with, so he was made Archbishop of, of uh, he was made Bishop of Lincoln, uh, which is a nice place to be Bishop of. And he was a very good Bishop because he stood up to the King. Uh, one time, uh, the King had a, um, a, a member of his court who was head of all the forests, and the forests were important because that's where they went hunting, and hunting was the fun thing to do of the day. But this uh, forester, who was in charge of the forests, was a corrupt man, and uh, Hugh held him to account, uh, even though he was a favourite of uh, the king's, and he risked being another turbulent priest who would also be martyred in his own uh, cathedral church. But... Hugh was, uh, had a sense of humour, which I don't think Thomas Beckett did, and he also was a very charming man, and uh, the king, he made the king laugh, and that was uh, diffused the situation somewhat. Those were dangerous times to live in. You'd first of all got an out-of-control, volatile king on the throne uh, who could do away with you at any minute... But it was also a time when uh, there was not much food, uh, there was black death, there were plagues, life expectancy was, who knows, I don't know, 25, and uh, people were being sent off to fight wars all over the place. So it was very much an apocalyptic time. And in the centre of this storm was this man, Hugh of Lincoln, a man of peace, a man of courage, a man who stood up to the king 
and a man who believed that one day it would all come to an end. Those days were no less terrifying than our own, perhaps even worse than our own times. And yet, uh, people back then hearkened to the words, the apocalyptic literature, like we heard this morning. And they knew that this was the time when it would come to an end, and they would look up and they would see that their redemption was drawing nigh. Amen.